Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. It's a pleasure to have you along for another chat about what's going on in our industry in these oddest of times. We see massively high demand but also real concerns about things like inflation shaping the market through till later in the year. Lots going on across the industry at the moment. It was a real pleasure to see everyone at the Recruitment Agency Expo in London on a couple of days earlier in the month. And that return to in-person meetings is really important. We recently had the first in-person meeting of the REC board in almost two years. We've also welcomed members back to in-person meetings from the end of this month, doing more and more of getting back in front of people and getting out around the country. I'm looking forward to my first visit to uh, around the country to meet members in almost two years at the beginning of March. In terms of the latest REC data, our report on jobs, that's our January's billings data, came out on the 10th of February. That showed still a very resilient, very strong market across the board. And that's been reflected back in the anecdote we've had from you all throughout the weeks since the start of the year. If you're looking to client positions and maybe how that's changing, our jobs outlook for February comes out on, on the 23rd. That's a really interesting look at whether some of that slight contraction in outlook about the economy that we saw last month was about the Omicron wave and will pass away or whether it's about something more fundamental and will stick with us. I think there's a real sense of uncertainty about the path of the economy across the rest of the year right now. In terms of what the REC is up to, do have a look at our website for some fantastic support. Perhaps you're interested in sourcing more candidates and you can do that by working with our restart team engaging with people who are looking for jobs or you can get involved in training your own people to help improve their productivity through the new rec academies you can see all of that on the website do check it out at rec.uk.com now let's uh, turn to our discussion for today i'm delighted to welcome our guest who's ollie sharp he's the vp of revenue at salesloft ollie welcome to the rec podcast Thank you, Neil. It's great to be here. Why don't we kick off? Why don't you tell us a little bit bit about yourself and about Salesloft as a business, and then we'll dig into maybe some of the the issues that recruiters might be thinking about around technology and improving the performance of the business as we go into this really supercharged recovery that we're seeing right now. Lovely, yeah. So started my well, actually started my career doing door to door sales, but after two years of that, I went into the recruitment space, and I spent ten years in the recruitment agency world. After 10 years, I then moved to LinkedIn, where I spent 10 years LinkedIn. Part of that is after about four years, I set up the part of LinkedIn that sells to the recruitment agency space, built the team in the UK and rolled uh, bits out globally and left there back in February 2019, where I when I joined Salesloft in April 2019 to set them up in a mere sales loft is a sales engagement tool, the market leader in what we do. Sales engagement is about making salespeople more efficient at what they do. So we have a tool that is encapsulated by the modern revenue workspace that helps people be more efficient, record their calls. The automation behind it basically just helps salespeople be better at what they do. And we've also seen a lot of recruitment agencies with uh, interested in this and buying the tool and being successful with it because it can help recruiters 
it's di different use cases, whether you're a 360 recruiter or 180 recruiter and whether you're client focused, applicant focused, but there's a lots of different use cases to use it in the recruitment space. And it's especially with the challenges that companies have nowadays, it helps them stand out more and give a better, a better experience to both candidates and clients. This is really interesting for me, Oli, because early in the month when I spoke at the Recruitment Agency Expo, my theme was basically this phrase I know from my my work as a director of a multi-academy trust, WAGLE, and WAGLE stands for what a good one looks like. And <laughs> the, what I'm trying to, what I was trying to get across was, I don't think half of the economic change that's been driven by the pandemic has yet come through. And I think the inflation picture out there uh, tells you that right now. As we go forward, 2022 is going to be the year of differentiation. If we were all in the same storm in 2020 when the market crashed and then in the same storm with the wind at our back as the market recovered through 20, the late 20 and into 21, we're now in a situation where I think performance will differentiate across sectors. It will differentiate between firms based on what they've done to improve performance and where the decisions they've made for the long term. And in my presentation at the expo, I identified three big things. One, recruitment is a people-led business. So what, do, what? how are you helping your people to be pr productive? Two, how do you harness technology in a really data-savvy way? Not just data literate, but make sure that you understand the data that you're getting, you're focusing in on the things which work. And then thirdly, really making sure that you're building client relationships built on, built on offering insights and depth of time spent with clients rather than rather than just delivering a, a kind of bums on seat service and all of that i think is the you know, there's kind of a hinge point with everything you said to introduce there about how are we using technology to set our people free and to improve our processes so let's let's dig in a little bit around the deployment of technology yes in recruitment businesses although i know sales loft work with a range of firms that are heavily sales led and i would always take the view that every organization is a sales organization mm -hmm. you think about kind of reducing process reducing administrative time improving productivity what are the kind of the key wins a recruitment business should be looking for in how it applies some of that tech I completely agree with what you said, especially about the client relationship side. And the thing is with technology is I believe that technology frees people up to spend time where it matters. And that means being able to build the relationships and being a lot more consultative and listening more rather than rushing things because your your technology isn't set up well enough. I've seen a bit changes in the market that, I mean, social media was impacting the market quite a few years ago and now it's i see it's more around automation and technology that is impacting the recruitment space very similar to the sales space i mean just like you say recruitment is sales it's just two-pronged sales rather than just selling one piece of tech so i think that when you actually look at recruiters whether they're 360 or 180 or, or whoever whatever way they're focused how much of their time is spent on doing things where that don't add value that's where companies should be thinking, right, how do we automate this or how do we use technology to make that better? And how do we also use technology to make the experience of the candidates and the clients better as well? Because I think that in the time like now, it's not how many placements an agency can make now. It's what happens when the going gets tough again and what the 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 
actions of the companies and the individuals now will impact what happens when the going gets tough for that that company. So to me, the whole technology space should be around how do we make it easier and how do we get, how do we free up time to give a better experience to the people that buy from us, candidates and clients. So this is an interesting point. I'm going to be a little bit challenging here because I, I have been known to be skeptical about, about IT vendor promises in the past, <laughs> which you know any good recruitment firm director or owner should be. But some of it is about the, that kind of tech stack that is available. And there's the tech stack for recruitment is potentially huge and you can spend a little or spend a lot. If I'm a client thinking of sales of thinking about, well, what can I do? What thought process do you think I should be going through as I approach the market? So I've bought the promise here, which is what we need to do is get our consultants focused on the added value with clients and candidates, and we need to make their life easy. How do I assure myself what I'm about to buy will do that? First of all, everyone should look internally to understand what the true problem is that is causing the issue. And can technology always solve it? I think there's nothing worse than having a client that actually you've not got the right product for. So I 100% agree with you. But I think a, a, a client that understands the problem and what they're looking to achieve and what is currently causing it internally is a great starting point for them. I think that any technology that is put in becomes a partnership. And I, there's enough technology companies out there in every, every different space where they'll sell technology and walk away. And that sort of crack on is down to you now. And finding the best partner that when you speak to a technology company, understand what happens after you buy and what happens if we're not achieving these. How do you help? Do you have customer success? What do we get from professional services? That makes a massive difference. But there is so much technology on the market. So make sure you're investing in the right technology for your problem you're looking to solve is always the best starting point. So there's a process of understanding your business, talking to your people, putting the skills in place to properly project manage deployment and support the adoption of technology, all of which kind of a true partner supplier will be up for. And as yeah. we roll that out, we kind of start to access some of the benefits of moving uh, of moving process out of the hands of members of staff and into automation that yeah I, i'm always a big fan of rob mccargo's pwc's line that, that the robots aren't here to steal your jobs they're here to take away the boring bits of them and i think we're describing a, a bit of that but obviously the comeback from that ought to also be not just efficiency but better data for decision making mm -hmm. i suppose the next stage then is well how does that affect what your people are doing day to day? They now need a different range of sales skills, don't they? Because it's easy. They, they do. And I think you, what a lot of people forget when buying technology is that they need the buy-in from the people going, going to use it. And it, it's not a, hardly any technology is where you just buy it and no one has to do anything. But I think by getting the consultants, BDMs, or the, the people in recruitment company to actually want to use a technology to be better is always something that they should they should be thinking about when investing in a, in the technology right from the start. It needs to come from within. We get clients where they just expect their salespeople to to know what they need to do, and they're hard to, for us to partner with. We we want successful clients, and it's hard if the team aren't interested in actually doing it themselves with us but you're right i mean the automation side is 
automation and data are very important and there's obviously two types there's different types of data there's data that's just there and it's very static but then there's other data with our, our tool i mean you get crm data which is your standard data but you can't really tell what is working who's doing the best email who's doing the best phone calls or anything like that and if you can understand those it helps you rep- replicate it across your team take best practice replicate across your team and then all of a sudden you've got 10 equal to your top performer and by finding that data not just this person sends good emails but this is the email that this person sends that gets the best reply rate or this is the sequence the cadence of the outbound activities that they get most people talking to them and this is where we get our money from that's what's important and i think that companies like your tableaus of the world have actually transformed data where it's become more interesting it's more insights than data and that's what we need to look at now not just finding out how many calls someone's made it's how many successful calls that have led to a job spec that have led to revenue and why that's what's important yeah and this is a process of constant learning isn't it so if i go back five to ten years we kind of know when in the week we'd want to send an email for it to have the highest open rate Mm-hmm. And and so we'd think about what emails we wanted to send in that slot. If I think even just to the, to the REC's business now, we're very aware of what forms of language engage people to open our emails and make sure uh, and what sort of different vehicles different members are using to engage with us. You know, some are coming to the website organically, some are still are reacting to emails. There's a whole range of things that we're thinking about as a business with that, you know, mm-hmm. it's fundamentally about communicating with with our, our members in terms of being where they are. And I think that that's a big part of what's on recruitment leaders' minds right now. So you look at some of the kind of, frankly, eye-watering pushes for price increases the job boards are put, have been pushing over the last few months. I think a lot of recruitment agency owners are starting to ask that question about, well, am I getting bang for this buck and how could I tell? Yeah. Because, you know, one member said to me the other day, you know, we had a jobs board ramping the price up. But if I actually look at industrials, in industrials, we get we find our candidates on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that that level of understanding is going to be absolutely critical to coming to understand what works and then and then presumably learning to exploit what works effectively based on meeting your candidates where they are. Yeah, but I also, I'm not sure the best, in, I'm not saying for every industry, but lots of industries, I'm not sure the best candidates are, are looking at job boards. So it's a case of how do you actually source them? Because our, our tool is more about sourcing candidates and sourcing the jobs rather than advertising. We don't do any advertising of jobs. What you can do on our tool is help engage the people that have advertised for your job that maybe aren't right, that you can keep them engaged with your brand going forward. But I think it's the old adage of that most people are trying to source candidates. I mean, you look how competitive it is out in the market at the moment that there's some candidates out there that don't really need to be proactive because they've got so many agencies coming to them and they're being offered a lot of money. So it's very candidate-driven market in a way that there's lots of them around. I know because I'm constantly hiring, but the data can tell you out of generating the applicant, generating the job spec, what most people reply to and why and stuff and it also has a b testing as do lots of other places but that's the kind of things that we should be thinking about when we look at data now to understand 
why how it worked and why it worked and then roll it out most crms don't give that level of information and that's where i think the market's going that give that extra insight rather than data well and actually depending on how you set your tech stack up sometimes your crm can actually obscure the data that's coming back to you from some of the tools you're using whether it's a jobs board or you know a linkedin license or or anything like that I and, think if, a, and if your CRM has any data in it as well, I mean, we've all been salespeople, most of us have been salespeople and realised we don't always fill the CRM in. So it's uh, that's where there's a gap a lot of the time. Yeah, I'd like to remind all REC staff at this point that making sure you're <laughs> engaging with Dynamics is really important to the future success of the organisation. I think there's, there's definitely something there in terms of kind of understanding what works, what works, replicating in, and growing it in a kind of, not in a kind of top-down way, but just in building a community of practice of professionals who understand, have insight on what really works to access. The holy grail of this is passive candidates. And it, mm-hmm. it has always been the holy grail to a certain extent, but it is it is all the more so in a world where we're sort of 600,000 people short of how many we, people we should have working in the labour market. So that you know, one of the things I've been uh, talking to people for a long time about is this tight labor market we've got now yes absolutely there are some shortages driven by a quick recovery from the pandemic but it's with us for a decade the effects of the baby boomers retiring the effects of young people taking a little longer to come into the uh, to the labor market the challenges that we've had with people dropping out of the labor market during the pandemic perhaps to care for people or just to take early retirement and in that environment your point about most of your candidates that you want aren't going to be looking at jobs boards and i think that is a change in terms of what we see you know we've known for a while that you know you're a former employers at linkedin in professional staffing you know linkedin license has big return on investment we know likewise that in industrial as i mentioned earlier being visible locally in places like facebook it makes a difference i think continuing to invest in that understanding and using tech tools that underpin it is going to be really important. Just before we sort of draw this together, Ollie, I'm really interested in whether you think how we're working changes changes this and how it changes it. Because I think certainly in professional staffing, it's highly likely that the kind of hybrid model of work will persist after the pandemic and you will have a lot of people who are working at home three, four days a week, either in the industry as consultants or amongst candidates. How does that whole hybrid digital experience play through to sourcing and then handling candidates once you found them? It's changed so much, and this is across any sales type of role, that people are now sat on their own at home. And they don't have the person behind them that they can stop and have a cup of tea with for two minutes or get hyped up again when they lose a deal or something. And so that's why I believe that them as individuals having the best tools in place that helps them be efficient is so much more important now than it was before to help them do their jobs and also to catch people's attention. So most people that they're probably targeting, and it depends on industry, probably on Zoom 24-7. They probably just don't want to take a cold call. And it's a lot harder to get people's, to get them to concentrate, to get them to actually notice you. So that's when it comes to how do you stand out? And tools can help them stand out more. I get contacted lots as to be an applicant and to be a client that people, recruitment consultants 
will contact me. And they've got to stand out. They've got to have done their research. They've got to have known something about me and they've got to do it in the right way and catch me at the right time. And if you're not, if a company isn't giving the right tools to a person, that to a consultant, their job becomes immediately 10 times harder because the people that do have those tools, they're standing out and you've got to get in front of the clients now. And I mean, there's a lot, I I know people, a lot of people in the industry and they say, they don't take jobs if they're not getting X percent, if they've not got sole agency, if they've not got this and this. That can't last forever. And as I say, you need to stand out now to make sure you keep the relationships in the future. So I think that I notice that there's a lot of agencies that are doing some fantastic things that, I mean, there's one up north that I know very well that they now do a four-day week to look after their people their mental well-being is a lot more at the forefront, which is different to how the recruitment industry used to be. There's a lot of companies that the way they are thinking about their clients and how do they add insights, how do they add extra services that add value rather than just trying to get a bum on a seat. And that's where I see the the industry changing for the better. And I really like that. I think the sales industry is changing. It's becoming less used car salesperson kind of image and it's more culture focused mental well-being focused and i think that the agency space it's great to see that as well not all agencies have always been against versus that sort of thing against that but it's not got the best brand out there and i I love to see it change where the recruitment agency brand is changing and they're all getting to this level where people do want to work in it they do want to stay in the industry and companies want to work with agencies because of the value that they add you know that's a a point that i've often made which is a healthy rec to rec market is great but what we don't want to be doing is chasing up costs for experienced consultants because we aren't attracting enough people into the industry so where's our strategy for for growing a recruitment as a career and i do think culturally there's been a big change over the last i mean i started in recruitment in the late 90s there's been a big change over the last couple of decades in terms of how we're thinking about both recruitment as a career and how we work as teams how we reward staff i think is mm. changing and will have to change to uh, focus on some of the new things that we need to get consultants focused on but as part of that you know the rec is going to be doing some work to support members in terms of outreach into growing your own consultants uh, but it's also about you know how do we put our arms around teams and support them how do we help teams form when they're not always together and how do we know when someone has a bad call how do we pick them up because of course that's always easier the bruce daisley point is easier if you're you're sitting around with your mates on a on on a desk so there's a a whole load of stuff on management and how we manage recruitment firms to think about and and what i think is really interesting about this whole discussion ollie is that the tech is kind of innately interlinked with that discussion it's not in a separate box you've got to set them up for success and normally technology is doing it if you can make them more efficient in that way but also just going back a second i I do think that there's lots of positives i mean there's been lots of bad things come out of what's happened but there's also to me quite a few positives and the things like in sales there's the, the way there's an increased need for empathy when selling. And I think that's probably happened in recruitment as well. And also people now understand more the importance of work-life balance. So 
it's more important for a, a, a consultant to be able to finish at five and go have that home life because they're driving them to breakdown if you're probably not. So all of these kind of positives that I think have come out of it have probably speeded up our industries, sped up our industries, whichever is dry English, that probably would have taken another five, maybe 10 years to actually happen. But it's good to see these positives come out of it. And that means that we have to look after our employees, what we should be doing anyway. We have to put the tech in place to help them be successful in the time that they have. And that's what that's what I see as the what's happening. I mean, that's a really great place to draw stumps on this discussion, Ollie. That piece about the people and the tech working in harmony, a lot more uh, Jetsons and a lot less 2001, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's a real optimism in the industry that we can sustain some of the the, the positive changes that have happened over, both in the market and, and in terms of our own organisations. But pretty clearly, the value creation and agency going forward is in what the people do and not in trying to compete on processes, which if we get our tech right, we should be able to improve month on month with just with the right investment. I think your way of think, saying it, those three areas, people-led, harness technology and client relationships, it's a good way of when you're buying technology, don't just think about harnessing technology. Think about client relationships and being people led. And they're all so interlinked that technology impacts them all. And it needs to be a joint up strategy between those three for you to be successful. And that means engaging the whole business on what the tech decisions are. Now, Correct. if someone's at that point uh, and they want to find a little more about sales law fully, where should they look? They can either go to salesloft.com, they can contact me on linkedin.com, whatever. I will point them in the right direction. But yeah, just come and talk to us and uh, help, we can help you understand if we can help you and how we can help you if we, if we can. Ollie, really thanks for joining us today. I've really enjoyed that discussion. Thank you, Neil. Likewise. And thank you to all of you for joining this latest edition of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. If you've enjoyed this chat with Ollie, you can check out some of our other recent episodes. Episode three with Felicity Birch of the CDEI, another tech-focused one looking at treating people in the right way and handling data and AI in a fair and open way. We started the year with Chris Williamson in episode one, the chief economist of IHS Market, talking about the outlook for the year. And episode two, fantastic discussion with the REC Standards Director, Lorraine Larie, all about umbrella companies and keeping the recruitment supply chain in the shape that we would expect it to be. So some fantastic content there already in 2022. Plenty looking back over 21 as well for you to to dig into on the archive. And of course, uh, the REC website, rec.uk.com, which is full of great advice, including, for instance, our latest on labour shortages, a really big campaign that our REC voice team are working on. And with that, I think uh, we will draw stumps for today and say thank you very much for joining us. Thanks again to Ollie for being our guest. And I look forward to talking to you again on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon, and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, so subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.